so uh, the first place that we're going to be caught up in is John chapter 8. 31 through 36. And I'm going to be reading from the Amplified Version. They're going to put the NLT version up there. Um, I wasn't prepared uh, for a change, so sorry. But uh, you're going to get to read a good version. I'm just going to read you um, a more Amplified Version because I'm kind of an Amplified kind of guy. Amen. So I like to get you know raw and in your face. But anyways, so Jesus was saying to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, continually obeying my teachings and living in accordance with them, then you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth regarding salvation and the truth will set you free from the penalty of sin. Amen. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants, and we have never been enslaved to anyone. What do you mean by saying you will be set free? Jesus answered, I assure you, and most solemnly say to you, everyone who practices a sin habitually is a slave to sin. Now the slave does not remain in a household forever. The son of the master does remain forever. So if the son makes you free, then you are unquestionably free. So, if the sun sets you free, you are free indeed. Alright? Three things about being set free. First of all, everybody in here, if you were put up in like a straight jacket or like handcuffed or something like that, would you love to be set free? Okay. We're going to talk about some things to help you get set free. <clears throat> One thing. That a lot of people, and I, I, I might step on some toes, um, I might get uh, some negative feedback from this, but it's possible for believers to be in bondage. Okay? I, I think a lot of people, uh, and it kinda, it's kind of funny because it kind of goes in, in hand in hand with what Pastor Cricket was talking about a little bit today, um, but it's absolutely 100% possible for believers to be in bondage. I was reading something earlier. I'm going to put it into perspective. Uh, anybody ever heard of Stockholm Syndrome? Yeah. Okay. Well, Stockholm Syndrome is where maybe you were kidnapped and instead of being angry at your kidnapper, the person that meant to do you harm, you kind of fell in love with them. You kind of became really good friends with them like you know what they're really not trying to hurt me they just they have something good for you know they have to get they have an ulterior motive that they have to settle but they're not trying to harm me that's kind of how it kind of how it goes and when i i was i don't know where i saw that and where it popped up but i was like that's kind of how believers are with the devil sometimes That's kind of how we are. We kind of get into stock, Stockholm syndrome with Satan himself. That he might not, he might put something in front of us that doesn't seem like it's really there to hurt us, and that you know he he's got a battle with God. He's not really hurting me. Something I don't know. You throw out all this stuff, but Stockholm syndrome. I think a lot of Christians. I think we we fall into this thing where we're okay, where we're not going to be hurt, and that's not a really good thing. And I, let me, I'll talk I'll, I'll, another uh, another analogy to use um, because I can use this one. And, um, everybody's going to hear 
bits and pieces of my testimony throughout um, your time hearing uh, from me, the time that I get to bless you with my presence on this earth. So, yeah, uh, you'll get to hear some really good stories and some really bad stories. Um, but at the end, God gets all the glory. So, and it's really awesome. But addiction, um, Stockholm syndrome kind of sounds like that. And a believer that is in bondage kind of sounds like that because addiction you think you have this thing in front of you that serves as a pleasurable object something that could take away the pain something that could just make you feel better um, and it could be anything. It doesn't have to be. Like a lot of times when people say addiction, you think, oh, well, he's talking about drugs. I'm not talking about just drugs. There's all kinds of addiction. <laughs> okay, you can be addicted. Most, most people in the, two, in, in the year 2010 plus, you're addicted to your cell phones. I'm going to go ahead and let you know because I'm addicted. I'm addicted to my cell phone. But I'm not just talking about drugs. I'm talking about addiction. I'm talking about being addicted to something whether it be a Red Bull, a phone, sex, drugs, you name it. So those things seem like a very, like they have a momentary lapse of, of pleasure versus the bondage. And it's crazy because you don't see the bondage that it puts you in. All right. And I, so I want to talk a little bit about some of that. Um, about I just I just I'm pulling a jury right now, where I, I have some random story that comes up in my head, and I have no idea where I was going with this. So, thanks, Jerry. Um, but if you if you understood anything that I'm saying, being a believer is a it, it can be a lot like that sometimes um, because you can absolutely be a believer and be in bondage because you can absolutely be a good person and be addicted to something that's killing you. Um, you can absolutely um, be a great person and care for the person tormenting you. Um, so it's it's absolutely 100% possible for us to be in bondage. Um, I'm going to pull this up. We, I just read over John 8, 31-36. Don't put it on the screen yet. I didn't. And y'all can just shout it out when you when you think you have the answer. But in John eight thirty two, it's the famous one, one of the famous verses throughout the, the scripture that we just read. What word does it start with? Without looking, John eight thirty two. Well, here's the crazy thing: everybody goes, well, "I don't know," because I don't know what John eight thirty two is. Uh, <laughs> let me see. I'll just say this: truth will set you free. What does it start with? Huh? Okay, let's go ahead. That's three people that said it. And it's three people that said it wrong. It won't, that's what they, there's four people that said it wrong. You. Everybody always says, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. But it actually says, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Meaning that there's something before it. Alright? Now I'm really pulling a Jerry. <laughs> Um, most people say it starts with and. It does have something before it. And, and the re- now you can pull it up. 831.
Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. A lot of times when people are quoting this verse and they say, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free, they're talking to a whole group of people. But I want you to know that Jesus is talking to believers. And that's why the verse starts with, and the truth shall set you free. See, in in the verse before that, in 31, he says, Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. And then... And you will know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Isn't that cool? He's talking to us. So what does that tell you? That tells you what I just talked to you about, that, that being a believer, you can absolutely be a believer and be in bondage. Because this is Jesus talking to believers, telling them that they will know the truth, and the truth shall set them free. Isn't it funny that the next verse... They say, uh, wait a minute. Wait a minute, guys. We're the descendants of Abraham. We're, uh, we're good. We, we, we don't have to know the truth or anything like that. They, they kind of start like uh, backing up and like, no, you, you, you got it wrong because we're, we are Christians. We, are, we do believe in God. And you, you, they're telling Jesus, I think you might have it a little bit wrong. <laughs> you know? And it's funny, but he says, they say, we are descendants of Abraham. We have never been enslaved to anyone. What do you mean by saying you will be set free? So here's a, here's a teaching moment for everybody in here because this is really cool. Jesus doesn't go, ah, you dummies. He doesn't say anything like that. He doesn't chastise them. He doesn't make them feel bad. He simplifies it for them. These guys say, well, wait a minute, you're completely wrong. I mean, what do, you, what do you even mean when you say we'll be set free? And Jesus doesn't chastise them. He doesn't, he doesn't make them feel bad. He says, uh, you know, they simply just didn't understand that Jesus was talking about spiritual bondage. See, they were, they, they're, taking, they're taking things literal and they think that they're actual slaves. That Jesus is talking about them being slaves. Jesus is talking about spiritual bondage. And he doesn't get mad or shun them, but he simply makes them understand. What's really good about this is when we ask God an answer, I know that you might be going through your life and you might have asked God a thing or two and you don't, think, you don't feel like you've got an answer. I've learned that most of the time when it's usually because I'm not listening. But God will provide an answer. Uh, Pastor Cricket told me something not too long ago. I thought it was so great. Uh, he, he said, trust me, Justin, God's big enough for your why. I was like, okay, it's, it's fair. It's fair. <laughs> like, you know, because I think a lot of times we, we, we want to know the truth, but we're scared to ask because we we we're, we're going to ask a God that is big and mighty and sometimes scary and I don't know why we get that into our head sometimes because God's not God's not too big or God's big enough for your why but God's big enough for your questions when you ask him something he's he's big enough to provide an answer okay so he can we just got to listen for his answer so um let's look at the word commit <clears throat> I'm bouncing all over I'm sorry but 
When Jesus gives his simple answer to them because they didn't understand, Jesus answered, I assure you and most solemnly say to you, everyone who practices sin who habitually is a slave to sin. And what he's saying is anybody that commits sin. So if you look at the word commit, it means to, to drag out, to prolong. And commit is the root word of commitment. A lot of people think they have commitment problems. We'll go back to that addiction thing. Addicted to the phone, addicted to all that other stuff. People don't have the, a commitment problem. They're just committed to the wrong things. Come on. <laughs> That's right. It's not a commitment problem if you talk, you know, the younger people. When you get older and you have a girlfriend or a boyfriend, you're not going to have a commitment problem. You're just going to commit to the wrong things, the wrong, commit to the wrong time uh, with your friends, commit to the wrong time with the wrong things. We all commit <clears throat> to something. But any person who commits sin is in bondage. What is bondage? Here's something that you can write down. Bondage is any behavior, impulsive or compulsive, that stops you from living and enjoying the freedom Christ died to give you. Now I'll repeat that. I'm going to leave out the impulsive and compulsive part because people might go, oh, what does that mean? I did. I had to look it up. So, But any behavior that stops you from living and enjoying the freedom Christ died to give you. Example, if it's out of line, I don't, I, well, there's thousands of examples. If, if, it, if it's out of line with God's Word, it simply restricts you. You don't act out of that kind of behavior unless you're in some kind of bondage. What, what, what does that look like? Um, um, let me go to this verse. I'll go to Jeremiah 7, 8, and 11. Behold, you were trusting in deceptive and useless words that bring no benefit. Will you still murder, commit adultery, swear oaths falsely, offer sacrifices, burn incense, and follow after other gods that you have not known, and then dare to come and stand before me in this house, which is called by my name, and say, We are protected and set free by this act of religious ritual, only to go on with this wickedness and even these or and these disgusting and loathsome things. Has this house, which is called by my name, become a den of robbers in your eyes, a place of retreat for you between acts of violence? Behold, I myself have seen it, says the Lord. This is another time where Jesus, or this is another time where people, believers, are caught up in, in sin. And it's it's not people outside of the church that are caught up in sin. It's people inside of the church. He's saying, he's saying, has the house that's been called by my name become a, a den of thieves? That's, that's really powerful. So can, can believers be in bondage? 100%. Okay? Here's some, here's some good news. Or here's some stuff to think about. What are we free from? Jesus didn't die for us to be free to sin, but to be free not to sin. Okay? 
think about how heavy that is. Jesus didn't die for you to walk around to sin. He died for you to have the choice to be free not to sin. That is really, really heavy. Okay? Um, not to just forgive us from our sins, but to break the chains of bondage that we're in. To break the power of sin. When you have you ever heard the saying, "What you focus on is what you get." If you focus on negative stuff, you you get negative stuff, right? If you, uh, I know. Well, um, the, well, the mini Kirksey might not believe that because she's been focusing on a million dollars and that hasn't happened yet. All right, don't take me too literal. But what you focus on is what you get. Um, you can be completely saved like what, what Cricket and what Jerry's been talking about with us and be in bondage um, have you, have you, if you met somebody that absolutely loves Jesus and absolutely believes but their life is, is hell that person is in bondage Okay, that's that's what happens. We like there are believers that are in bondage. See, before, I accepted Jesus when I was eight, and I'm not. I don't come from a church background at all. I come from a, no, I, I I come from a weird background. But the churches I did get to go to, I had friends. That's what I went to church for. That's all I went to church for. And that's good because it got me in the doors. But when I got saved, I never went back to church. And that's not how it's supposed to happen. Okay? And that's because I, li- I started living in a life of bondage. Okay? I started hanging with the wrong friends. I started going with the wrong crowd. And I would tell people every single week that would tell me, hey, you need to go to church. And I would say, I know Jesus. I'm good. And I would argue with people and say, you don't have to go to church to be saved. You don't have to do this. You don't have to do any of that. And I would tell people, I would quote, I was that guy. I would quote scripture to argue why I didn't need to do what you as a believer were telling me what to do. And I only knew the word to get into arguments. Okay, I was living in bondage. Okay, I was a slave to sin. All right, <clears throat> what we continue to yield to, okay, and yield means surrender. Okay, what we continue to surrender surrender to is what fills us. Okay, so if we surrender, if we surrender to His influence, then we are filled with Him. What do you think happens if you surrender to demonic influence? If you yield to disobedience, if you yield to um, yelling at your mom all day, you're going to be filled with hating authority. If you yield to addiction, you're going to be filled with addiction. Here's the crazy thing, though. You are, your life, and life is made up of choices. If you yield to God, you're filled with God. Amen. Okay? Let me jump down. I'm all over the place. I, need, I think I might need... I don't need to do what cricket does and drink Red Bulls. They don't do me good. 
But I'm just going to go down to my second point. Whatever you yield to, you're in bondage to. And I'll just let you guys know, I, I don't mind being a slave for Christ. Okay, um, whatever whatever you're in bondage to, I would rather be in bondage with the loving arms of Christ than than the hateful, um, killing arms of the devil. Okay, so I would rather be completely captive in Christ's arms because I'm safe. Okay. Point number two about being in bondage: it is difficult to admit you're in bondage. Alright, I heard this really cool story today. And it was funny. It made me giggle. And yes, I used the word giggle. So, there's a, there was a captain of a Navy ship that was, that was uh, they were on course, they were doing their thing. And uh, they see a light in the distance. And um, the captain says, well, is the light, is it? Blinking or is it steady? And he says, it's steady, Captain. You know, do my Sean Connery voice. It's steady, Captain. <laughs> and um, that's bad news because that means that it's on a crash course. That means that, the, that this ship is going to, um, they're in immediate danger. And so, he radios. Um, unknown passenger or unknown ship I want you to change your degrees. Twenty degree. I want you to change your path twenty degrees north to miss um, the collision. And the guy says no. The other guy on the end says no. Can't do that. Sorry. And the captain says, "Well, I'm a captain. I'm a captain. You're going to do this. You're going to change change your course twenty degrees." And the guy says, "Look, I'm I'm, I'm a." E3, I'm a, I'm a, I don't know what they'd call him in the Navy. But uh, he, he says, I, and I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> the guy says, look, you have, you're going to change your, your direction right now. Or we're a battleship. You don't understand. We're a battleship. We will blow you up. And the guy on the other end finally says, look, man, we're a lighthouse. The captain says, well, we'll change our course. <laughs> it, can be, it can be difficult sometimes to admit you're wrong. It can be difficult. And sometimes you'll, ha- you'll have a head-on collision with something that you could have completely avoided if you would have just taken the time to know what it was. Right? But sometimes we have to keep telling everybody that we're a captain and that you need to shift your course. Okay? In John 8.33... Find it. Pull it back up. Let's see. No. They're working. I'll give it up for the sound booth. Oh. Eight thirty-three. All right. But we are the descendants of Abraham, they said. We have never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean we will be set free? Okay, maybe you're not a biblical scholar. Maybe you're like me and you just, you, you, you're just kind of getting into this stuff, kind of diving into it, and you're learning as you go. But 
Does anybody know what, what, who was the ruler when Jesus is, 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 is walking the streets? Like, who, who, Rome? Correct. I, I expected him to know. Um, <clears throat> these guys are saying, look, we're the descendants of Abraham. We have never been slaves to anyone. What? You are under Roman Empire right now. These guys are literally saying, well, I don't know what you're talking about. This is, this, the, the descendants of Abraham, y'all were, y'all were slaves to Egypt? Y'all were slaves to everyone. So here we have a group of people that have been slaves to every culture around them because they could never get it right. And they're still sitting here saying, well, I don't know what you're talking about. We've never been slaves to anybody. They're kind of full of themselves. Lost my spot. Literally, these, the people that, that Jesus is talking to have been in bondage. Not just spiritual. Actual bondage their entire life. We see this every day. I'm a Christian. I can't be in bondage. You ever heard somebody that... Well, not the young people, I hope. But older people in here. You ever heard that person that says, well, I, I could quit drinking if, if I wanted to. You know, or, I mean, I could quit drinking any, any time. I could, I could do it. I mean, I just I choose not to because, you know, it's fun. You know? Smoking, that's a really good one. I could, I could put this pack down any time I wanted to. Um, it's just there's so many, and I'm not, I'm not saying that to 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 poke fun at people. All right? We're not here to bully people. But you hear people like that, and why can I say something like that? Because I used to be that person that would say, "Look, I can quit. I know that I can quit. Like it doesn't have a hold on me. I have a hold on it." And people would say, "Well, why don't you quit?" It's that one question that just kind of stops everything, and it's just like, "Well." You don't even have an answer. You just, you just, yeah, yeah. But um, I remember people telling me all the time, "You need to quit drinking, Justin. You need to quit drinking. You need to quit partying. You need to quit." Uh, I was really, I was really bad in um, in music, traveling all over as a young person, and um, the army, all kinds of crazy stuff, and um, I was just a wild child. And everybody would tell me I needed to do better. And I would tell them, I am doing great. I am doing amazing. Can't tell me I got a problem. So, Jesus says, and you shall know the truth. And the truth shall set you free. Does anybody know who the truth is? There we go. So, how many of you actually know Jesus? Amen. Yeah. Or how many of you have just met Jesus? See, if I was to bring somebody up here, um, let me see. No, no. Come on, come here. Yeah. Yeah. Come on up. All right. This is the crazy thing, because I know you love Hannah. What's her birthday? 
Mm, that's it's okay. It's okay. I know you still love her. I know you still love her. It's, um, what's her favorite color? Mm. Red. You're right. You're right. Okay. You're good. You can go sit back down. <clears throat> the, yeah, she guessed it. But the the thing is, is not to make you feel bad about your friends. It's 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 to make you because I, I know that you love her, and I don't mean. Uh, I know you. You're not going to know all that stuff. We're not going to know everything about each other. But think about it like that with Jesus. Do you know? Do you know him? If somebody was to sit down, because I'm not. I think sometimes we sit down with Jesus and we and we treat him like a um, somebody that we know through conversation. But do you actually know the truth? I'm not talking about meeting him. I'm talking about knowing him, having a relationship with him. Okay? Because see, Hannah is my wife. Okay? So I have to know every detail. Okay? I know her birthday. I know her mom. I know I know everything about her. And she knows everything about me. And that's how I should treat Jesus. Yeah. Amen. All right? Because see, I can actually say that I know Hannah. Like, I know Hannah. We didn't just meet one time, you know? She's not just that person that comes to my church. Jesus shouldn't be that person that just comes to your church and that you you have an encounter with every other Sunday or every Sunday. Jesus should be that person that you know every day, every hour, every second, and you know everything about Him. Okay? I did this at work one time. You know, we're a big family at work, and I said, okay... I sat down with my managers because I run my own business. I sat down with some managers and I said, "How many? How many of your team members have kids?" Uh, well, uh, four. I said, "Okay, cool. How many kids do they have?" And they got this. They, they, they. It took them a minute, but they got it. I said, "What are their names?" Oh. Ooh. Do you know Jesus? Do you know everything about him? Do you want to know everything about him? See, when you want to know somebody, when it's somebody that you just met, it's just, it's just in passing. Do you want to know Jesus? Because you need to know Jesus because he's the truth. And so Jesus is sitting here saying, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Well, if Jesus is the truth, the way, the truth, the life, and the truth will set you free, then I need to be the truth. <laughs> I need to know the truth, everything about the truth. All right. Before you can be set free, you have to admit that you're in bondage. You have to admit that you have a problem. Amen. Young kids, this will be the hardest part in your entire life because you'll say, well, my mom is the mean one. She doesn't understand me. I wasn't doing anything wrong. I didn't do bad stuff, etc., etc. I, I lived it. Trust me. I lived it better than you. But, it's really when, when you start saying, I'm sorry, and you start taking responsibility, your life changes. Amen. All right, third thing, and then we're going to wrap it up. It's on, we're almost done. Here's the really cool thing. It's really, 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 really easy to get out of bondage. 
that stuff, all this, all this stuff that was kind of scary, and like, ah, I don't really want to talk about this because I don't like this, and I don't like what you're talking about because it's true. Um, here's the really cool thing. It's really, really, really easy. Why is it easy? Because it doesn't depend on you. It depends on Jesus. Amen. All right? Amen. And I don't know about you, but when things depend on me, I might royally mess them up all over the place and not get a thing right. But when things depend on Jesus, things get really, really crystal clear and really, really easy. All right? <clears throat> what do you mean it doesn't depend on you? It, the only thing that, de- that depends on you is submitting to Jesus. And then Jesus does work. Uh, uh, money, money Mayweather says, "Do work, son." Jesus does work. Amen. All right, He puts in work for you once you submit to Him. It's it's only difficult to admit because when you the the admitting it part, the saying, "Hey, mom, I did this wrong," or "Hey, um, I, I give you I give you an example." I stole twenty dollars from my mom one time. I went into her room and I got into her billfold. I was I was really young and I went in and I stole twenty dollars from her and I I felt horrible um, um, because my mom she she you know she's an, she's an angel um, it was killing me literally killing me and when I went to my mom uh, I got the biggest whipping ever. But man, I felt so good because I, I didn't have to worry about anything anymore. I didn't have to worry about my mom loving me or not loving me, um, what's going to happen, this, this, and that. The hardest part is admitting that you did wrong. Come on, break it. After that, it's all easy because Jesus takes over. Right? It's just like a mother's love. When you, you know, when I did that with my mom, I took the twenty dollars. The hardest part is admitting that I did that. The rest of it might have seemed hard because she gave me a good whipping, but after that, it was just it was that loving mom. I fell right back. No matter what, she didn't care the things that I did wrong. I fell right back into the loving arms of my mom that was going to protect me from everything in the world. Well, the same thing happens with Jesus except on a way bigger scale. Okay? Um... See, everything is easy for God. Things only seem difficult for uh, most days for people because they're depending on themselves. Once God steps in, He shows you it's easy because you're free. So let's talk about Jesus real quick before we get out of here. One thing, Jesus isn't intimidated by the devil. He's not impressed with the devil. Jesus can snap His fingers and the devil is gone. Alright? In John 3, 8, uh, actually, I'm not going to read that one. It's too long. We, ain't, we don't have much time. Take note. John, 1 John 3, 8. It pretty much, I'm going to paraphrase it. The battle's already been won. Amen. <laughs> All right? Jesus has already won. Yeah. All right? Here's another verse real quick that you can take with you. In Mark 9, verse 17, there's a person that comes up and says, <clears throat> um, my son is possessed and this is going on. I mean, I'm, I'm really paraphrasing it for you. And he says something about, he says the disciples, uh, they couldn't get the demon out of the boy. And then God says, you know, you faithless generation, et cetera, et cetera. 
Here's the big, big kicker. The person that brought his son to Jesus, first off, he was in the right place. He brought him to Jesus. But the second thing he says is, if you can heal him. If you can heal him. All right. It's really easy to get out of bondage when we submit to Jesus. See, when we try and do stuff our way, we don't understand that when we're talking to the truth, what He can do. It's not if you. If you can. How many times have we had that? Had that pray that prayer? That, you know, Jesus. If you if you can do this for me, then you know, thanks. You know, if, if, if. Now, look who you're talking to. You're talking to the truth. You're talking to Jesus. It's not a matter of if. God turns around, Jesus turned around and says to this man, you say if you, but if you have enough faith. Come on. Ah, man, it's really good stuff. Sorry, I'm getting off topic. All right, we're all guilty of praying that way. God, if you can do anything. God's answer is the same. It's if you. Mark 5, 1 through 6. There's a person that's pretty, pretty possessed, pretty banged up, um, pretty messed up. He, he's really, he's really bad. He's he's cha- he's chained in, into the tombs. He kinda, he comes running to Jesus. He sees him from afar. Here's something that everybody can leave with, and then we're done. Satan doesn't have the power to stop you from getting to Jesus. Come on. Okay. No one can stop you from going to church. Nobody can stop you from coming here on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday. Nobody can stop you from having church at your house. Nobody can stop you from having church in your family. This is, and if you go and read this in Mark chapter 5, verses 1 through 6, it's a demon man. It's, he's very possessed. He is, most of us would give up on him. Right? In fact, most of the people did give up on him. They chained him to a tomb outside of the city. And they gave up on this man. He looks really, really bad. But this person saw from afar. He saw Jesus. Amen. And being possessed, he still got to the presence of Jesus. He still got into. Uh, he still got to Jesus' feet. There's not any demon, devil, in hell that can stop you from getting to Jesus. Okay. Um, no, no one can stop you except for you. Um. I don't have anything else. We're going to close this out in a prayer. Um, but I do implore you, like what we're doing here at Unleashed, it is, it's something different. And I know that that was a little bit um, more in-depth uh, teaching than it was last week. I'm going to get simple next week, I promise. Um, but go out and take what, take what you're learning in here out there. Because this is what the principles of unleashed are. Okay, when we have what we're learning here at unleashed is how to unleash, how to be out of bondage. Okay, well I'm going to go ahead and tell you part of this the sermon here tonight is being being a regular Sunday service church person can be in bondage. Okay, if you're not, you can you can bondage up other Christians in a in a building, and if you're not taking it out there, you're keeping people that are in bondage that need to be out of bondage. All right, in bondage. Okay, so young people, older people, um, people on Facebook Live, go out, all right? And when you go out to eat tonight, I know that everybody's going to go out to eat tonight. Ask God this, show me your treasure. All right, sit down and before you pray for your food and before you bless it, ask God to show you, God, show me your treasure. And God will show you somebody in that building that needs you to pray for them. 
Alright? Maybe you'll be too scared to get up and go pray for them. But if you're not too scared, get up and go pray for them. Go and pray for them. Young people, you'll love it. Alright? Because you'll make somebody's you'll make somebody's day, but you won't even know it because Jesus will step in and Jesus will do something that you yeah, you'll he'll blow your mind. Okay? But go to go out to eat tonight. Go out to eat tomorrow. You know, go wherever you go, when you're at school tomorrow, ask Jesus to show you, hey, who's your treasure? Where's your treasure? Show me. All right, I'll tell you one quick story, and then we're going to pray and get out of here. If you got some music, um, but um, I was, when I, I went to a convention not too long ago, and this is where I got this idea from, but I, I went to uh, I went to a place, and there was a, there was a, we were, we were eating, and I asked God, I said, show me your treasure. Just just show me your treasure. And it's a funny thing. It's a long story, and I'm going to make it really short, but it's a long story. Um, and I've never done anything like this. I've never been a part of anything like this. I went out with this older man um, from the, that was at the same convention, and we went to a place. Uh, 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 what's the place? It's, it's some Mexican restaurant. El Chico's. Okay. They don't have those anymore. My mom and dad, my, my, my stepdad, Craig, <clears throat> uh, who I call dad, um, they met at El Chico. All right, so these El Chicos, they're, they're like nowhere around. Like they're, and if they are, they're like, like nobody goes to them because right, they're like uh, they're a dying thing uh, but um so I'm sitting there I'm talking to this guy and I'm saying you know I, I feel like eating Mexican food and I said I don't know why because we have Mexican food in, in, in El Dorado and that's all we got okay. and so I know I'm here in Little Rock and there's other there's other stuff and the guy even looked at me and he was like you sure and I was like yeah God's telling me I need some I need some Mexican food and he said got you we're going to go across town. And so we went all the way across town. I'm talking about like we only have an hour and he took 30 minutes to get there. Where do we pull up? El Chico. And I was like, oh man, here's a cool story. And he was like, this is a God thing. And I was like, I guess because I'm, like, hey, I'm new at this, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so I'm sitting there and I'm praying and he keeps on looking at me like, do you see anything? It's obviously not his first rodeo. It's definitely mine. All right. And he keeps looking at me like, hey, do you see anything, Justin? Who do you need to pray for, Justin? I said, I don't know. I have no clue. <laughs> and he said, well, keep looking. We're going I'm, I'm, to find them. And I said, uh, I said, okay, okay. And my servant keeps walking by and, you know, refilling my drink. And I, the fourth time, and it's about the fourth time where he keeps saying, you see them yet? You see them yet? Nope. Nope. She walked by and I, I, it was an instinct. I grabbed her hand. And I said, I don't know you. My name is Justin. And God said, Amen. the church had no business hurting you. In a moment, she went to her knees. She started crying. She said, how could you know that about me? How could you know that somebody hurt me at the church? I said, I, don't, I didn't know nothing. I said, God just did all that. I said, I have no clue. I'm about to freak out myself. <laughs> and I said, but the church had no business hurting you. I said, you haven't been in church in years, right? And she said, oh my God. I had not been in church in five years. I said, do you want to know God? Come on. 
And she said, yeah, I really, really do. And I said, well, look, we're going to pray for each other. We're going to pray with you. But I said, I want you to know something. The church had no business hurting you. But you cannot let that stop you from getting in the presence of God. Because Jesus sent me here today to tell you, out of all the people in the world, He sent me here, obviously, to tell you, simply put, He loves you. This is at a convention that was a five-day convention. Do you know where that girl was that night? At the convention. A person that had been hurt by the church so bad that she couldn't step foot in a church came to know the church because somebody simply got out of their comfort zone and prayed for them and told them that Jesus loved them. Look, you can tell, you can tell somebody the same thing. I want you guys to I implore you to go out and to find, find God's treasure. Alright? And pray for them and watch their life change because you could be, you could be bringing somebody closer to God. Right? So, Father God, we come to you tonight and we just thank you so much for what you're doing in our lives. Um, I pray for every soul in here that, that, they, that they come closer to you, that they know the truth, that they, start, that, that, that they start getting discernment in their lives for the things that you hold dear to them. Okay, Not the things that we hold dear to us, God, what you hold dear to us. We want to know that, God. We don't want to know... What makes what makes us in this fleshly world happy? We want to know what you're going to do in our lives to make us happy, because that's all that matters. And so, God, give us the discernment right now and in the coming days to know you, God, and to know the truth. And God, I pray that you that you send everybody out here, out of here, with their marching orders, God, that they know exactly who they're supposed to pray for. That when they walk out of here, they tell their moms, they tell their husbands, they tell their wives, we're supposed to go here because there's somebody that needs to be prayed for. And there's somebody right now that's going, God, is that you? And God, thank you. Because you're, you're, you're pouring out your blessings on people right now and you're pouring out your heart to everybody um, in this room right now. And we just thank you so much, God. We, 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 we pray for healing throughout the city of El Dorado. We pray for um, um, relationships to be mended. We pray for um, you know, health during um, football games. Um, and we, we, we pray for health um, when we travel for families out, out of state, um, for people that are battling things. And most of all, God, we, just, we, we declare all this in the mighty, mighty name of Jesus um, because you gave us the authority to do all these things under the name of Jesus. And we thank you for that, God. And we say all this in, in the mighty name of Jesus. And we all, as a church, as a group, as, as people, as lovers of Christ, we all jump up and we say amen.